0: Hello and welcome to Downton Gabby, Life After Downton. Today we are rewriting history and picking which films we feel like should have won Best Picture and past Oscars, definitely through a feminist lens of picking films that either feature women or were written or directed by women. So join us today in this Rewriting History. I'm Shannon in Oakland. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles.
1: And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn.
0: So we all kind of had different criteria of how we picked our films. When I was going through the past years, I was really thinking, what makes a Best Picture? Is it, you know, we're looking in hindsight, is it that the film has become a cultural touchstone that is quoted in other movies and is a part of our culture? Is it that it was just really beautiful and important at the time and did really well in the theaters? Or is it that Babe was nominated for Best Picture, so there are no rules?
2: (laughs) I love Babe so much, so let's not disparage Babe. Yes, I do too. <laughs> babe is a lovely... I saw James Cromwell at the Women's March in D.C. You did? That's awesome. <laughs> yes, he was one of the celebs on site <laughs> at Women's March. So. <laughs> okay, so my criteria was basically, these are films that should have at least been nominated Um, All of mine are written or directed by women, and uh, they're the kind of movies I think that if they were made by men, they would get more credit, or if the story was about a man, they would get more credit. And uh, to prove my point that they should have been nominated, I've picked the movie that was nominated that year that I think you can kick out of the category altogether to replace my choice.
1: Uh, My criteria... uh was I was looking for films by women, directed by women, centering stories about women that uh, were not nominated for Best Picture. And uh, had they been made by men, about men, I feel like they would have been far more likely to have gotten those nominations and even wins. So those are the films
0: I'm looking at. All right, so we're gonna pick our top five and then we're gonna do our honorable mentions. All right so my fifth choice is from the year 2000 and that year Gladiator won which we've seen a million movies like Gladiator. A man in the past has to overcome odds kill a bunch of people to become his true self. So that year won over several films that were about women. Aaron Brockovich which I'm embarrassed to say I have never seen. Yeah that's that's kind of unforgivable. <laughs> I know. I know. I really need to watch it. And so I can't speak about Aaron Brockovich because I haven't seen it. Um, also nominated that year is Traffic, which isn't about a woman, but uh, there's a very important female character that really drags the plot. And then the two films that I loved that were nominated that year are Chocolat and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Chocolat is a my favorite film to watch when I'm on my period. It is... <laughs> <laughs>
2: I want a new Oscar category just for that. (laughs) Period. Definitely.
1: Best film when you're on your period. I like
0: it. Definitely. And you know, there's several really strong female storylines within that. It's also probably the hottest Johnny Depp has ever been. So there's a lot of reasons why that could have won Best Picture. But I'm going to pick Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because there is no other film like this that has a female warrior who is being mentored by another badass female warrior. hmm <laughs> That alone is just so rare in itself, but also just the stunning special effects. It just really set the tone for a different type of film, very similar to The Matrix. And I feel like it just broke a lot of barriers and I'm picking that for my best picture in year 2000.
2: The movie is so good and I just love Ang Lee and I love his career, which, he, you know, he's always trying new crazy things. And even if it's something like Billy Flynn's long halftime walk that I'm like, what oh the my fuck? God, what is going on in that film? <laughs> you know, he's out there doing it. And then one of his early, early movies, The Wedding Banquet, is one of my favorites of all time. And it's about gay characters. So he's he's been putting different kinds of characters on the screen. And Crouching Tiger is just so beautiful. Like, I know it's not the first movie to do something like this, but as like a crossover thing that really introduced some concepts to American audiences... And a movie that has really incredible female characters, like that, and that has the sexiest fucking, that desert sequence, like, mm-hmm. problematic, but sexy as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I just love this movie, so great pick. My number five pick from 2011, so talking about the 2012 Academy Awards, um, written by a woman uh, who had already won an Oscar for her an earlier movie starring a woman who had already won an Oscar for an earlier movie and didn't get any Oscar nominations, even though people kind of had it as a dark horse pick in the um, run up to the nominations. I think it should have been nominated in basically every uh, of the main categories. And that is young adult written by Diablo Cody starring Charlie Theron. Uh, It's a movie that makes you feel kind of uncomfortable. And I think that's why people didn't connect with it. I think it's like, just brilliant in what it does and i've watched it several times and I, it just gets more impressive and charlie Theron's performance is so impressive and i think there are like a lot of movies about misanthropic men that are celebrated and all of a sudden when it's about a woman people are like oh, i don't i don't know about that not not quite good enough um and the movie i would kick out would definitely be midnight in paris by rudy <laughs> 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 which i just fucking hate Um, and I don't hate all Woody Allen movies at all. I think we need to stop celebrating him now. And particularly for mediocrity, just, yeah, I just, I don't understand the love for Midnight in Paris. I think it's just like the simplest movie about a doofus with a shrew for a girlfriend. And then he happens to time travel and like, I I don't get it. And I was mad at the time and I'm still mad. You're
1: still mad. I think I think it got it got a, a nomination because it was the first film in a long time that was actually watchable. So people were excited that he made a, a film that you could actually get through and be mildly entertained by. Um, and you know, I think they like nominating him.
2: Yeah, I don't get it.
0: Yeah, that movie is basically a Disneyland ride through history. And it's like, look at these famous people who lived in Paris at this time.
2: Yes, it's a great description. Yeah, it's just, it's just dumb. Even Kathy Bates as Gertrude Stein can't save it. So.
0: <laughs> I would rather watch an adaptation of the movie The Paris Wife, which is an excellent book about that time in history, than that stupid movie that's in the same category as Aloha, which is... <laughs> criminally misusing Rachel McAdams and her talent in a dumb, dumb movie.
2: There are way too many movies that fall into that category. Like, well, so why doesn't she get better roles? I mean, it's like every third role is really good. And then there's just like ridiculousness in between.
1: Like, I, I, I feel compelled to just like defend... Midnight in Paris, just by saying that it is a, a, a watchable film, and if you're looking for something to divert you for an hour and some minutes, it's, it's okay, it's fun, it's a little, a little escapist stuff, I mean, the star and the protagonist is a doofus, which is the biggest problem with the film, like, who cares about you? But um, I really like when he goes into the past, and, and those are great character actors. And
0: uh, that part's fun, man. It's fun. Yeah,
2: it's fun. It's not best picture.
0: No, I don't know. No. Well, Brady, I totally support your choice of young adult. I think it's the best thing Diablo Cody has ever done. It is really uncomfortable to watch, but that's the point. And it, there's no other film like it. It's really phenomenal. So, great choice.
1: So I did my picks in chronological order. So it's just basically oldest to most recent. And uh, so my first pick is a fantastic coming of age film that I have watched countless times that I just think is beautifully written and performed. And that is The Trouble with Angels from 1966.
2: I love this movie so
1: much. I know. I love it so much, too. It was directed by Ida Lupino, who is probably better known as an actress, but she also directed. And uh, it stars Rosalind Russell. It stars Hayley Mills. It is such a great story about these girls coming of age in a private school run by nuns. And I really feel like if it had been about two boys, in a school run by priests. I just think it would have been deemed far more important somehow. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, it's got a killer ending that you just do not see coming and uh, always sort of reduces me to tears. Um, I, I love this movie. Everyone should watch the trouble with angels.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't know how popular it was at the time. I know that, um, like in my family, it's regarded as a classic, and it's like when you watch it Christmas. Even though only one core sequence of it takes place at Christmas, it just feels <laughs> kind of like a Christmas movie. Um, but the the catchphrase that the two girls have, I've just had the most scathingly brilliant idea. Like that is one of my all time favorite movie lines, and I totally agree that this kind of coming of age friendship story with a just yeah a really heartbreaking but beautiful ending. Uh, gets way more credit when it's about boys than when it's about girls.
0: Y'all went too far back for me. You guys started in the 80s for me to have any comment. <laughs> can I
1: Can I just add that for any fans of Call the Midwife who love hanging around with these really cool, thoughtful nuns, these these women are the same. They give you a portrait of nuns that is beautiful and thoughtful and... Nothing like the old, you know, stereotype of the Catholic school nun that terrorizes little boys. So another reason to watch if you're a Call the Midwife fan.
2: Nun stories are really the best because it's like the it's a kind of woman who is really centered in her own life. And it's really hard to like have a love story or a dude take over her story. It's really about her. Nuns. Love nice. it.
0: Nuns. <laughs> what's for breakfast. I
2: endorse nuns. (laughs) Well, now
0: I'm intrigued now that you've compared it to Call the Midwife. So I'll let it go that it's so old and I'll maybe watch it.
2: (laughs) It's in color. Don't worry.
0: All right. My number four pick is not going to come as any surprise. I've bitched about this probably on this podcast before and definitely many times in real life. <laughs> and that is uh, from the year 1998. And that is the year that Shakespeare in Love won over Elizabeth. I know you are Elizabeth the movie and Elizabeth the person's number one fan. <laughs> yes. Queen Elizabeth the first is my favorite woman in history ever because she broke every rule every role that was held for women and she led the greatest like world superpower at the time so yeah a story about a man writing a play and falling in love I'm sorry just isn't as important as a woman (laughs) you know donning the white face and becoming the Virgin Queen and literally giving her life over to this duty of being this ruler I mean we've just never seen again this kind of story of women in real life or you know in fiction i mean maybe we'll be saying this about melania trump you know she's inspiring a lot right now but our secret savior yeah, yeah. but for now it's queen elizabeth and you know kate blanchett just she couldn't have done any better it's just so so well done so you know what i'm sorry shakespeare in love but elizabeth should have won I do like Shakespeare in Love, but I think you're right that, like, how often do we get, like,
2: this major, sweeping, beautiful, gorgeous biopic about a powerful woman in history? Mm-hmm. You know, usually we have to watch them just be, like, marrying a dude who's the, yep. the, at the core of it. So, once again, you know, she could have been a nun, you know? Yeah. It's all about her. <laughs> Nuns and queens. I endorse them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have to just speak on behalf of Shakespeare in Love, which is a movie I really loved. And mostly because of this very crackling script by Tom Stoppard. And I will say in defense of uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character that she's a good character. She has a lot of agency. And uh, I don't think she should have won Best Actress by a long shot. But uh, but it's a great film. And it's a film that also inspired me to write my very first published article on film. So oh, there's one. Wow.
2: Fun, Fun fact.
1: Fun uh, fact. Chicago Tribune, 1999. You can look it up. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, But I, I have to admit, I'm embarrassed to admit this. I have- oh, my God. Our friendship <laughs> is over.
2: Well, well, well.
1: Guess what I'm doing tonight. Saturday night, I'm wow. going to watch Elizabeth. Wow.
0: Everybody's
2: going to come away from this with homework.
0: Yeah, okay, I'm going to watch Aaron Brockovich, and you're going to watch Elizabeth. Yep, writing it down now. I love Shakespeare in Love. It's a great film, but when you're talking about Best Picture, it's like, which film was more important? And I feel like Elizabeth just is more important.
2: I just love that we're having this conversation, because usually it's dudes arguing that Saving Private Ryan should the <laughs> one for this year, so... yeah.
0: Exactly. Well, it's interesting when I dug into the 90s that a lot of rom-coms were nominated. And I think there's there was a switch in the 2000s where people stopped believing that rom-coms were worthy of this category. But in the 90s, again, well, we've got Babe, so there's that role. If Babe's nominated, anything <laughs> can be nominated. Now, so. <laughs> now. Why are you disparaging this poor pig? Look, The Lion King wasn't nominated and The Lion King is so much better.
2: I know. Well, animation, they had to regulate it to its own category, you know. True. um, I will say that you're totally right. And that, you know, in 97, As Good As It Gets got, you Mm -hmm. know, five wins or whatever in all the major categories. So um, maybe it sounds a little crass to say, but I feel like rom-coms post 9-11, people just like stopped making really good ones. (laughs) And uh, it's never really bounced back from in our like new new world here yeah. <laughs> and a, a lot of good rom-commy type stuff is is also on tv i
0: think you're totally right it's like rom-coms are out and superheroes were in post
2: 9-11 all right um my number four pick is from 1989 uh it is written and directed by uh a woman of color not an american woman she is from martinique that is um eugene palsy and this is a dry white season um starring donald sutherland Susan Sarandon. And Marlon Brando, who she coaxed out of retirement for this role, and he got an Oscar nomination, but she didn't, and the movie didn't. Uh, so wow,
1: come on—that's the Woody um, Allen syndrome. Just keep yeah. nominating Marlon Brando every time he shows yeah. up. Yeah.
2: Um. So this movie is about apartheid South Africa, and it just—it's—it's it's very heartbreaking. Um, surprise. <laughs> um. And it contains the kind of sequences of crowds and protests inter- interspersed with smaller personal moments that I just feel like is exactly the kind of stuff that men are lauded for when they take on really hard topics like this. Um, and she it is a huge award winner in France. Um, but this was this was produced by MGM. It was the first um, time a black woman had gotten financing from a major studio for her uh, movie, and it's a milestone in that way. And it's really, um, you know, disappointing to me that, you know, she's had a career, but it's been a lot of like TV stuff. And I just feel like it. she could have been like the next big sweeping director if she was a man. That's just kind of how it works. Like, why wasn't she immediately given more money to do something else when you've just created this incredibly impressive movie that got Marlon Brando his last Oscar nomination? I don't know. Not fair. And that year I would kick out Field of Dreams, sorry, because (laughs) just because it makes your dad cry doesn't mean it needs to be nominated for an Oscar.
1: I I want a second Dry White Season. That is a great movie. So it's interesting, Shannon, that you were talking about 90s rom-coms because my next film is from 1996 it is a fabulous romantic comedy i think that it laid the groundwork for a lot of stories about single women in the city and their relationships to their girlfriends and their love lives uh, but did it with humor and a lot of real bittersweet sentiments as well and that is nicole of center's walking and talking and it stars katherine keener and uh Early role for Liev Schreiber also and Anne Heche. And it is uh, just a wonderful film about mostly about the friendships between these two women, um, about living in New York, about looking for love, about dealing with all various kinds of heartbreak. I think it doesn't get a lot of credit. I think Nicole Holofcener should be far more famous than she is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I love this film. I watch it over and over again. And I feel like it really set a template that was, you know, sort of maybe reached its popular peak with Sex in the City. Uh, not its quality peak, but its popular peak. And uh, it got no nominations for anything at all. Not acting, not writing, certainly not directing. And uh, I would like to elevate it at least into a nomination for Crying Out Loud.
0: What won that year?
1: What won that year was uh, The English Patient. (laughs) Uh, The English Patient was up against Fargo, Jerry Maguire, Secrets and Lies, which I also thought was an outstanding film by Mike Lee, and Shine. So a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of heavy hitters. I can't imagine it would have found a place in there, but I would like to give it a place now.
0: Uh, Jerry Maguire is kind of in the babe category. I mean, I like it, (laughs) but it's not important. People love that movie. I feel like
1: lately
2: I've heard people be like, Jerry Maguire, you got to read that script. That's one that like really holds up. And I'm like, even if we're talking just Cameron Crowe movies. No, no way. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. (laughs) I don't, I don't get it.
0: Okay. So my number three choice, I'm going deep, deep into the past of last year. And... (laughs) Um, I really love the film that won, which was Spotlight. I think it's a fantastic film, but I don't think it should have won over Mad Max Fury Road because Spotlight is a film about men who are victims, which we've seen a lot. Mad Max Fury Road is also a story about women are victims, but they take control of their story and literally destroy the society that has been oppressing them and then (laughs) takes control of the society. We have never seen that kind of story that really takes on patriarchy. And it's just kick ass and fun and filmed in a way that you never see things filmed anymore. There's hardly any CGI. It's almost all live action. And so although Spotlight is important, I did enjoy it. I just don't think it's as groundbreaking as Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max is
2: so good. I remember as I was watching the Oscars last year and it kept winning for the technical categories and stuff, I was like hoping and hoping more and more that it would take Best Picture. And I agree. I like Spotlight a lot. I think it's very impressive and it's a it's an important kind of movie for our times. So like I get why it would win, but also like, if we're talking something that's really innovative and unlike something else and just, I don't know, impressive on every single level, you can be impressive. I mean, Mad Max Free Road is basically a perfect movie.
1: I I felt the same way, Randy. I was watching it start racking up awards and I thought, could it be possible? Would it be possible? Could it possibly win best picture? And it's, it's an outstanding film and, I mean, Spotlight is a great film, and the great, really great thing about Spotlight, I think, is that the entire story was created and researched by the, the team that made the film. There was no book that it was based on. Um, they didn't adapt it. They actually did all of the research to put the story together and found things that the reporters didn't find. So Tom McCarthy, I mean, I give him a lot of credit for unearthing this story in a way that it could be brought to... Uh, a larger audience. Um, I'm just kind of glad that The Revenant didn't win (laughs) and (laughs) The Big Short didn't win and Bridger's Spies didn't win. Uh, You know, two great films about women, Brooklyn and Room also didn't win, but I was glad they were nominated. Um, And then there's The Martian. So I don't know. (laughs) Interesting year.
2: Tom McCarthy is such a good filmmaker. I mean... I, I think The Visitor and The Station Agent are both just such incredible movies. So, they are. Um, yeah. But Shannon, if you love Spotlight, again, you really got to watch Aaron Brockovich, which is like <laughs> the ancestral soul of Spotlight. I know. I'll just add to my own homework and say I've never seen All the President's Men if we're talking oh about God. this kind of movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I watched that yesterday. I just rewatched it yesterday.
0: Oh my God. Oh, Brandy, you'll love it.
2: You've seen it, this is a movie from the 70s, Shannon has seen it and I haven't seen
0: it. <laughs> I love a journalistic thriller, which is why I love Spotlight. I just, it's a safe choice. I'd also put it in the category of criminally underusing Rachel McAdams. It's <laughs> film. God. You know, as Ellie described the film, it's just a bunch of people on the phone. That's not better than yeah. women completely tearing down patriarchy, wearing the most badass costumes ever.
1: <laughs> no, Fury Road should have won. Yeah,
2: we need we need period movies, non movies, movies criminally underusing Rachel McAdams. <laughs> These are all really important categories to me.
0: So. Well, and Bridge of Spies would have been in your category of movies that make dads cry. There you go.
2: Yeah, or or like fall asleep <laughs> after Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so my number three pick again, um, one where the female filmmaker had already been nominated. But this movie did not get nominated, and that is, from 2006, Marie Antoinette, which I am, like, the biggest defender of this movie. (laughs) I do not understand why people don't love it. I have written about how wonderful this movie is. And I just, I don't know, I just, I won't go into, like, every detail of why I love this movie so much, but I am just going to say it is a lot fucking better than The Departed which is what won that year. (laughs) And that is what I would kick out. I can't stand that movie. I don't understand why people loved it so much. It just completely ruins the movie that it's based on. It collapses two female characters into one in a way that makes no sense. And coincidentally, both guys fall in love with her. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just... No. I don't care if Scorsese made it. I don't care if he finally won his Oscar for it. Get out of here, The Departed. Marie Antoinette was better, and I will stand by that assessment.
0: Assessment. All I remember is the costumes that I loved, but I need to give it another watch. It's been a while.
1: You know, Virgin Suicides was almost on my list. And uh, another unadaptable movie. book that, that uh, Sophia Coppola adapted beautifully. Um, and, and also Lost in Translation, I thought, was a really mm-hmm. fine film.
0: I almost picked that for one of mine, because I love that film.
1: I'll I'll consider giving Marie Antoinette another watch. I know what she was doing and I really respect what she was doing, but I didn't it didn't connect for me. Okay, so my number 3 film and uh, remember these are these are films that got no nominations that I feel <laughs> like if a male filmmaker had done it centering on men, it you know, would have just been so much more popular and recognized with awards. Uh, And that is Monsoon Wedding by Mira Nair from 2001. Um, This is a a huge, sprawling, sweeping family saga that takes place around a daughter's wedding uh, in a very upper middle class family in India. There are lots of uh, interweaving Uh, storylines, upstairs and downstairs, as you would say. And uh, it's got singing and dancing. It's got amazing, dreamy passages. It's very funny. It's also very moving. And uh, it got not a single uh, Academy Award nomination. It is an epic film, and uh, I was just thinking, you know, hmm, let's see, a film based in India with a uh, um, male protagonist. <laughs> I know what you're going to um, say. <laughs> uh, directed by a man. What was that film that won the Oscar oh. for Best
0: Picture, Slumdog Millionaire? Oh, that one. So important.
1: That one. Mm-hmm. So important. Mm. So, um, you know. Uh, again, Monsoon Wedding—a film I can watch over and over again. Uh, directed by Mirandier, written by Sabrina Dawan, and uh, just putting in a plug for *The Queen of Catway, which is Mirandier's most recent film.
2: Oh, uh, I just saw that it's on demand now, so I'm yep. very excited to watch it. So people need to watch.
1: <laughs> people need to watch that.
2: And I'll just say, I don't really have anything against *Slumdog Millionaire*, but Danny Boyle is on my shit list of prominent male directors who never make movies with female protagonists
1: (laughs) yeah
0: do better danny you know i spent a lot of time looking at the 90s because damn there were a lot of good films that were made in the 90s and really you know let's blame this on 9-11 i think that really did (laughs) change everything because the 90s were really interesting so um my third choice is from the year 1995, which is the year Braveheart won, which, yeah, everyone loves Braveheart. Dads, moms, everyone loves it. <laughs> it's really important. Blah, blah, blah. So, this one over Il Postino, the postman, never seen it. Babe, which you already know my thoughts on that. Apollo 13, <laughs> and Sense of Sensibility. My second Angley Lee film that I would choose to win, but I'm also <laughs> gonna choose one that wasn't nominated. But first I'm gonna talk about Sense of Sensibility, written by Emma Thompson, directed by Angley Lee. <laughs> it is the best adaptation of any Jane Austen film, including the long BBC version of Pride and Prejudice. I think Sense Sensibility is Oh no,
2: no, no. This now. is a controversial Whoa. opinion.
0: Yeah. I very. think I
2: think I think I agree, though. Oh, yeah. I And I do love the BBC Pride and Prejudice, but, I mean, Ellen Rickman is Colonel Brandon?
0: Come on. And they cut out <laughs> all the characters that don't matter. I mean, I love Jane Austen, but she can get a little George Orwell Martin of, like, why am I going to follow this character forever? And <laughs> Emma Thompson cut the fluff. It is perfectly cast. It is... It's perfect. I love that film so much. So, for that reason... Um, I would pick Sense and Sensibility. Now, let's talk about what was not nominated that year. Quite a list. The Usual Suspects, Clueless, mm. Toy Story, <laughs> then some other just faves, While You're Sleeping, Empire Records, Seven, Twelve Monkeys, Now and Then, and Casper, which was my sexual awakening as a Casper. tween. Casper for Best Picture. Yeah, but just, you know, <laughs> let's just remember Devon Sawa. <laughs> And how you know everyone really started to have their first sexual awakening, you know, in their tweens. <laughs> Jesus, speak Casper. for
2: yourself. It's so no, but at the time, Devon Tomo oh, was yeah. important with a capital. Yeah, I, for our like, generation, for this are. was
0: like this was <laughs> the one that started to make your nether regions tingle.
2: So, like, how many times? Like, be honest, how many times did you try to pause the tape and now and then to that like frame where you can see his beard? Oh, running <laughs> away.
0: No, now and then is my all-time favorite movie <laughs> as a kid, and um, yeah, I that movie was so important to me as a kid. So. Yeah, this is a big year. Of course, no surprise what I would ultimately choose as the movie to have won Best Picture in 1995 is Clueless. Yes! This movie has been so important to our culture, written and directed by a woman, and no other film has captured that generation and a time and a place. Even her other movie, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I don't think is as good as Clueless. And this movie will live on forever. I, I want to live in a world
2: where a movie like Clueless can get Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. I really do. Because it's, again, that thing of just, like, for what it's trying to achieve, it is perfect. Right.
1: Yep. Amy Heckerling, completely underappreciated uh, by the larger mm-hmm. world and made two iconic films. Mm-hmm. Those are both iconic films. And they both stand mm-hmm. up, as far as I'm concerned, to repeated viewings. And so that's
0: why I would choose this best picture.
1: I love, this. I love this alternate universe where we give all these films best picture. Can you imagine living in that world?
0: It would be so
2: great. It I bet be Hillary great. would be president. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> she would be. <laughs> okay, uh, my number two pick, once again, female filmmaker who's been awarded for other things. So you can see my trend here. And I am pissed that it, for 2009-2010 Academy Awards, bright star was mm. nominated jane mm-hmm. campion's movie um uh, i think this movie is just phenomenal in every way and i i appreciate that she had been nominated in the 90s for the piano and this movie's less weird than the piano but like really captures a beautiful world and a, like a tragic story in this in the same way and I'm like, what's the difference between 1993, where she could get nominated, and 2009, where she couldn't? Like, you can just see the progression of like, bro-y, bro-y technical. Like, it's like, well, this is the year that Avatar won, which is why oh would fucking the fuck God. out, you know?
0: Because like, <laughs> it's I'm embarrassed like, to be a human that that won <laughs> over Bright Star. Right, but Bright Star
2: is not even nominated, and it's just like, uh, there are a lot of movies I really like that that are you know, using those impressive CGI technical effects. But I hate that now it's just like that's that's what it takes is like that kind of filmmaking to get nominated for, for some of these awards, you know? It's just, ugh. Anyway, Bright Star is incredible. And uh, it really holds up to repeated viewings. I don't know why Abby Cornish isn't one of our biggest female stars because she's such a good actress. Um, and, yeah, Avatar... They're still talking about making four sequels to that, guys.
0: Um, So we'll see. Oh, my God. Well, We'll you know, Bright Star is also in one of my categories, which is movies I love to watch on my period. And um, Bright Star (laughs) is an amazing love story. Great period piece. It's got everything you want in it.
1: I really liked Avatar a lot. It was really fun to watch. We saw it on New Year's Eve. That's what we did. Uh, but I think that there are movies like that where the technical achievement so overshadows everything else in the movie that if you stripped all of that away, you would be left with very little. I, I feel like we should just be disqualifying those movies from Oscar contention. I'm sorry. They're, they're too big. They blow everything else away.
2: You know what? I'm going to go back and fact check myself, though, because actually the Hurt Locker beat Avatar that year. But Avatar was nominated for a million things and won a bunch of other
0: categories. But But Hurt Locker goes with your category of stories about men in war are ultimately the most important.
2: Yeah, I mean, at least that one was directed by a woman, but then that gets into the whole other thing of, like, that's what you have to do as a woman to win awards, it's to right. male mm-hmm. stories, like, mm-hmm. you know, that whole year is just really aggravating for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's also the year that the blind side was nominated. Oh, yes, so. yes.
0: <laughs> I can't believe no one's brought up Crash winning yet, I mean... I'm sure oh, we'll get to it. Uh, I, oh, just wait! I
2: just blocked that from my yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it hasn't been brought up. <laughs> Remember, yet. Teresa's going chronologically, <laughs> and I'm counting on
1: her. <laughs> I am, um, I am, and but but in defense of 2009, um, Up was nominated, which is my favorite Pixar movie of all time. Uh, Precious was nominated, which was quite a groundbreaking film, I think. And An Education was nominated. District Nine was nominated. These were interesting films yeah. to get, and a get.
2: serious man, which I think is, and a serious um, man, a beautiful movie that's Cohen Brothers. It's mm-hmm. just one of their best films. So, no, I, I think really, it's I look at that category and I'm like, that was a good year for a lot of movies. So why are The Blind Side and Avatar in that pack when there are other things that I think are just like way. Way more impressive achievements to put in there. that's
0: where the problem is. The Academy is so white because both of those are white savior stories. Excellent, excellent point. All right, Therese, hit us with your number two.
1: Okay, it's only number two chronologically. Now, this is a film that I... Uh, saw it Sundance, as a matter of fact, and it was my absolute favorite film. I saw it Sundance that year, and then I ended up watching it lots of times again. It's a film that I think is not everyone's favorite, um, but it came out in the same year as Crash. <laughs> uh, unlike Crash, which won Best Picture, it got no Academy Award nominations. Uh, but like Crash... It was about a diverse group of people in Los Angeles trying to make a connection, and that movie is Miranda July's Me and You and Everyone We Know.
2: Oh, God, I love this movie. Yeah. Amazing pick. Yeah,
1: I I love this movie so much. Uh, It is such a masterful connection of stories and themes and just emotional states with some unforgettable moments, some stuff that's really funny. It introduced me to John Hawks, who I don't think I was that familiar with beforehand, um, who is just wonderful in this movie. And I mean, Miranda July's way of looking at the world and interpreting it and making fun of it sometimes too, Mm -hmm. I think is extraordinary. And it is, uh, I thought it was kind of hilarious that it, came out the same year as Crash, which is a movie I just hated, <laughs> hated, hated, and then it won
0: fucking Best Picture. Oh, my God. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the Crash outrage I've been waiting for.
1: <laughs> Remember the year Forrest Gump won the Best Picture Oscar? Honestly, this is the same. Ugh. Yeah, all yeah. Right.
2: That's
1: all I have to the say. Rage. Yes, checked the rage. Yeah. Her, her out. checked her out.
2: Miranda July is such an interesting artist in so many ways. Like I've also like read her novels and short stories and like seen her video projects and everything mm-hmm. else. But I, I think this movie is incredible and it was my first introduction to her and then I became obsessed. And then mm-hmm. I, I also think the future is an amazing mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. much weirder um and i understand why it's not like winning academy awards and stuff but that one even is underrated among like indie Mm -hmm. film fans you know like i just she's i can't wait for her to make a third movie her husband mike mills is also a great filmmaker uh beginners which is wonderful and then this year he's nominated for best writing for 20th century women and uh I also love him because when he, w- he was on like a, one of those Hollywood Reporter videos, uh, the year that Beginners and the Future came out, and the questioner was trying to be like, why do you think there are no women that are here right now? And Mike Mills is like, I know a woman you could have invited. And
0: oh, was like, awesome.
2: Who? Who? It's like, uh, my wife, Miranda July, and just made the dude look like such an idiot awesome (laughs) multiple levels like you didn't research your interview subject you don't know what you're talking about in your category like you didn't invite ladies you just look down so
0: i'm mike mills i love him for that moment forever (laughs) (laughs) i'm embarrassed to say i've seen me and you and everyone we know but i was on a date and i made out through the whole thing so i actually don't really (laughs) know what it's about
2: (laughs) you know what I am confident that Miranda July would be okay with that. Yeah. It was like a long time You're ago. Right. And
0: I definitely feel like I need to watch it again. There's
2: a lot of talk about poop in that movie to make out too.
0: You know so what? I don't even think, I don't even think we watched it at all. We just sat in the back corner. I, this is the only time I've ever done that in my whole life. I'm like an 80s movie or something. So weird. Okay. So here's our number one picks. Wow. When I dug into this year, It was shocking. I just, I couldn't believe there were so many good movies that came out this year and not the right ones were nominated. And that is 1999. I almost wanted to title this podcast. We have to talk about 1999. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. American Beauty won in 1999 over The Sixth Sense, The Insider, The Green Mile, and The Cider House Rules. Now, American Beauty is a great film. It's a wonderful film. It holds up over time. You know what wasn't nominated? The Matrix, Boys Don't Cry, Fight Club, Girl Interrupted, Being John Malkovich, Blair Witch Project, and Magnolia. Hold on. Hmm. You know what else just came out that year that was amazing? 10 Things I Hate About You Cruel Intentions, <laughs> Office Space, <laughs> Never Been Kissed, Notting Hill, American Pie, Drop Dead Gorgeous and Thomas Crown Affair. So many of my favorite movies came out this year. I can't even believe it. (laughs) Oh my god! Seminal for teen films, for caper heists. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, I can't stand Fight Club, but sure.
0: (laughs) I love Fight Club, and I love the book, which has a totally different ending. Um, But even Blair Witch Project, it's yeah, it's a dumb horror film. I didn't know it was fake. I went to the movie theater with a group of friends like you do in high school and I was scared shitless because <laughs> I thought it was real.
2: I don't think it's dumb. I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I think it's, it's a really great movie. That
0: movie broke so many rules and kind of introduced this whole new genre of horror and I don't even watch horror. Now, The Sixth Sense also did and I think that's great that that was nominated. I don't know anything about The Insider. The Green Mile and Cider House rules seem like snooze fest to me. Really, The Matrix or Boys Don't Cry should have won.
2: I think those two are the ones that are, like, people still really talk about those. I, do you know anyone who's like, oh, The Cider House (laughs) Rule is one of my favorite movies? Like, no, it's fine. I saw it at the time. Whatever. Some stuff happens in it. (laughs) I, I, yeah, I think the Oscars are not great at capturing those movies that are really, like,
0: starting something. Yeah. The Matrix completely changed yep. the game and film and resurrected Keanu Reeves's career. He was nothing. I remember when that movie came out. I was like, oh, that guy, whatever happened to him? And then completely resurrected his whole career and just
2: johnny mnemonic is what happened to me
0: but yeah i mean i'm I'm
2: like keanu's number one fan that's true i'm very pleased that the matrix
1: is true
0: (laughs) um and boys don't cry i mean i think we're all still traumatized from that movie and it's a beautiful story we've never seen a story like that told again it was uh directed by a woman hillary swank did win best actress that year but really I think the Matrix or Boys Don't Cry should have won that year and holy shit how did they make any decisions in a year that packed 1999
1: That's an amazing year.
0: And I, I know that in the
2: in the years since Boys Don't Cry came out like obviously there's there's been a lot more talk about whether it's appropriate for cis actors to play mm-hmm. trans parts. Yes. Um and I think that that is a really important conversation to have and that trans actors should be getting those parts for sure but like as far as a first step towards the kind of mainstream
0: visibility that
2: allows that to happen. That movie was really important.
0: When it's interesting that the matrix, you know, one of the siblings has transitioned since then. So Uh,
1: both, both,
0: both of them have, you know, that's kind of interesting that those are the two stories I chose that are really, I mean, this is the nineties, you know, really people weren't talking about uh, trans then, you know? And so these, Definitely, Boys Don't Cry definitely paved the way for that kind of conversation and activism around it.
1: The Wachowski Sisters, yeah. Isn't that great? The Matrix was directed by two women. I mean, that's kind of glorious to me. Mm -hmm.
0: It is extremely
2: glorious. Mm
1: -hmm. That movie is actually on my honorable mentions because I figured I couldn't quite accuse Hollywood of sexism at the time of The Matrix. Right. But in retrospect, I want to anyway, so... Lana and Lily.
0: Well, you know, the the other thing about this year, it really launched Brangelina's careers. Because you had <laughs> Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted and Brad uh-huh. Pitt and Fight Club. Okay, so my number one pick
2: is a movie that was nominated for a lot of things in its year, but not Best Picture. And I feel like this is something that you see. With movies about women where it's like, oh, we'll give you the screenplay and that, you know, you can be in the acting categories, but for best picture, no, no, no. <laughs> and that is from 1991 and that is Thelma and Louise. Mm. Which,
0: <gasps> like, uh. come
2: on, how do you get nominated for the acting categories and the directing category and the writing category or and cinematography, but you can't be in the actual category of best picture? what's <laughs> What's? What? uh i just think that's ridiculous i think it probably should have won that year but the um movie i'm kicking out is jfk because
0: (laughs) well it's interesting because if you're going to use the criteria that it becomes a cultural touchstone i mean this film is referenced probably more than any other film ever
2: yeah i mean it's it's really important (laughs) and it's just silly that it didn't get into the actual Best Picture category that year. I think if, it, if they had more nominees than they do now, it would be without saying that it would be in there. So I don't, I don't know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me.
1: My final pick, which I guess could be my number one pick, but not really, because I'm just doing it chronologically, is a film that was actually nominated for Best Picture. But it's such a fine film, and uh, so I think Overlooked. Um, that I wanted to mention it, and that is Winter's Bone by Debra Granik, oh, mm. which came out in 2010. It was nominated for Best Picture among a whole bunch of other films. Um, it was also nominated for writing for Deborah Granick and Anne Rossellini, and it was also Jennifer Lawrence's first acting nomination. It put her on the map. And John Hawks, the wonderful John Hawks, got a supporting actor nomination. It's a really fantastic film. And, you know, it's one of those things like they don't make a lot of really fantastic films about poor people in Appalachia who Mm -hmm. have serious drug and money issues. And the protagonist is a young woman who has to carry all of this on her shoulders. It's a gritty film, but it's such a beautiful film and jennifer lawrence is just you know you can see her becoming a star like right mm-hmm. on screen and uh but you know how could it compete with the best picture winner that year the king's speech <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! Uh, oh jeez! oh geez uh again it, it was like the oscars making you hate
2: movies that you shouldn't hate like it's Perfectly yeah. enjoyable movie. <laughs> Why do you gotta give it best picture and make me resent it for the rest of the time?
0: Yeah. I like Jared Harris and the Crown better though than I like the entire movie after the King's speech. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I I, I right. might
1: agree with that too. It was up against uh 127 hours, uh Black Swan, which mm. is pretty high, yeah, high love, on my list. Yeah. Uh The Fighter, Inception. The Kids Are All Right, Uh, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, which did, you know, make me cry, uh, and True Grit. So, uh, kind of an interesting and varied lineup of films in 2010. Yeah, Yeah. really interesting year. Um, I expected Black Swan to win that year. That was my costume for that year's Oscar party. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, It's a fantastic film, and really the only film I've ever liked Natalie Portman in, which is my own category.
1: So, but, but really, uh, hats off to Winter's Bone, um, uh, you know, and an example of Deborah Granik making a really exceptional film, uh, being nominated. Her... Yeah, and she hasn't, uh, in the seven years
2: since, she has not had another um, narrative film come out. She's been making documentary stuff. But her film from before that, Down to the Bone, also has Bone in the title, um, which stars... It's like an early Vera Farmiga about a woman overcoming a drug addiction. Really, really good as well. Like, she needs to be making more of those kind of movies where she just digs into, like, a dark female story because they're they're very good. She's very good at that.
1: Yeah, she, she made the documentary Stray Dog, um, but she hasn't done other features. And, I mean, again, this is just uh, so typical that you have an exceptional filmmaker who made an exceptional film that was nominated for Best Picture, and somehow she's not making any other films.
2: She's, she's a person um, where I kind of wish that HBO or Showtime would
0: throw a bunch of money at her and see what she can come up with. All right, well, good picks, guys. I can't believe we didn't pick the same year. I'm pretty surprised. Um, I'm sure we'll have some crossover in the honorable mentions. We'll just go quickly through some of our honorable mentions. I, I'm really shocked you guys didn't mention 1994, maybe kind of touched on it. This is the year that Forrest Gump won. Over a packed year of nominations, uh, Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and one of my personal favorites, Four Weddings and a Funeral. I'm so happy to be reminded that that was not in for Best Picture, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great, so. great film. Um, and it's a, and what I love about it, actually, more than the love story, is it's about a friend family. And yeah. that's one of the things <laughs> I love about So, surprisingly, what else wasn't nominated that year? The Lion King, two of Randy's mm-hmm. favorite movies. Speed and True Lies. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I'm really thinking that those are the kind that need to get it out. Well, off
0: I the just side. had to mention it because I know how much you love those movies. So, A lot. I love them a lot. And then part two of Shannon's Sexual Awakening as a young teen, <laughs> uh, Legends of the Fall. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Now that's
2: what that's what really started Brad Pitt's career was a bunch of teenage girls being like, "Excuse me, what's happening?"
0: For my birthday slumber party, we watched it. That's when things started to get a little racy at the slumber party. Yeah, I mean that and Speed
2: in the first in the same year because really Keanu in his like dirty white t-shirt towards the end of Speed was really the first time I was uh, attracted to an adult man. Um, I will, you know, if I ever meet Keanu, I'm going to it's going to be hard for me not to blurt that out like a fucking moron.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I'm going to be honest, when I saw Speed, I went right over to my boyfriend's house afterwards.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so hot. He's so hot. so hot. It is so hot. <laughs> Oscar for hottest to male in a white t-shirt. Go <laughs> <word> goes
0: to. <laughs> But for that year, I'd actually choose Shawshank Redemption. Um, I know Pulp Fiction would win the cultural touchdown. You know, it's lived on forever. But, um, you know, I know we were focusing stories about women, but I think Shawshank Redemption is one of the best stories about men I've ever seen. And I love it. I love that movie so much. So um, kind it's of breaking great. the rules a bit, yeah. but I would have chosen that one. Or for oh. Women's in a Funeral, just because it's fucking great. My other two are really quick. Um, so year 2007, also a packed year, uh, no country for old men won. uh, what a snooze fest, um, over. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Everyone likes the opening scene. Mm-hmm. I feel like, eh, how does what's going on in the end? Um, then there's there will be blood, which was a big hit that year, uh, atonement, Juno. And I kind of have to choose this one based on my marriage, which is Michael Clayton, which is Sean's favorite movie. <laughs> but really i i love atonement i i love atonement it's a fantastic book it, it's a, the movie adaptation was perfect it has the hottest sex scene ever read the book just for the sex scene I, I have recommended it based off that and had several female friends read it and be like holy fuck that scene yes where she's in the green dress and they fuck in the, yeah, the green dress mm-hmm. um but you know mm-hmm. atonement or juno i would love to see either one of those win. My last one is from the year 1992, and I have to mention my all time favorite movie that I cannot believe was not nominated, which was Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh.
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Better movie than Avatar. Yes, exactly. And it's a perfect movie. It's just such it's really a perfect good. movie, and it completely blew my mind as a kid of what film could look like. It really, that and Independence Day both were like, oh my God, special effects and um Mm -hmm. yeah i watch it several times a year i love it it holds up um also not nominated that year Sleep is in seattle pretty perfect film as well um but of course schindler's list won that year because duh because duh Mm. because duh
2: uh okay real quick my honorable mentions again um all movies that are like recognized in some way Um, But not nominated for Best Picture. And I'll go chronologically with this. I'm going to go way back to the 40s. And I'm going to cite Black Narcissus. Movie about nuns. Mm,
1: Which is so fucking
2: good. Was not nominated in 1947.
1: Crazy movie.
2: It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking good. Um... And then I will say I've big in 1988. I was very, um, very close to including that on my regular list. Um, and then Inside Out and Wild were both not nominated for Best Picture. Those are female centered movies that were celebrated in other ways, but um, like didn't make the cut for Best Picture, which
0: just, I
2: don't know, that phenomenon really annoys me.
0: Yeah, if you're gonna nominate 127 Hours, you should nominate Wild. It's like the same thing, right?
2: right um and then oh and then skipping back um in 2009 fish tank I think is the kind of movie that if it were the coming of age story of a boy then yeah it would be nominated but it's about a girl so it's not and maybe if it was a few years later when Fastbender was more famous it would have it would have done better but or I don't know it is British but still um those are my my honorable mentions
1: my honorable mentions actually were things that didn't fit into my thesis category, uh, mm-hmm. which are movies that aren't necessarily about women or have any women <laughs> in the cast necessarily. That's not true. I'm going to go <laughs> But back. they're
2: just good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, the, my honorable mentions were films that I that hadn't been nominated and I really thought I wanted to mention because they're films that I really love, but they don't really have that much to do with uh, female directors, female uh, writers, or in some cases, female characters. Uh, but what the hell? Um, the first Sometimes one that movies actually... about men can be good. Me- <laughs> movies about men can sometimes be really good. Men- <laughs> ma- male directors, you know, they can do a good job. So I'm going to go way back to 1952 with a film that only got two Oscar nominations, Best Score and Best Supporting Actress, and that is Singing in the Rain. <laughs> so...
2: Yeah, as far as cultural touchstones go. Yeah,
1: kind of. Um, another film that was not nominated for a single Oscar, um, and this is in a category called Films by Alleged Rapists Who Escaped America <laughs> to Avoid Prosecution, but one of my favorite films, Rosemary's Baby.
2: Oh, it's such a good movie, and it's, it's so such hard a to watch movie. now.
1: It's yeah, it's rough. such a good movie, and it was not nominated for... Uh, Anything. Yeah, uh, Saturday Night Fever, another one of my favorite films and I think a real cultural touchstone. Only got an Academy Award nomination for John Travolta for Best Actor. Um, another film that I don't know how it was completely ignored by the Academy, but one of the greatest films of all time, Monty Python's Life of Brian. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't think British humor really like sets the Academy on fire. Yeah.
1: It's just... Life of Brian is one of the best uh, commentaries on organized religion I have ever seen. Um, And another really brilliant, beautiful film that I think has since um, been elevated, although it was nominated for zero Oscars, and that is um, Groundhog Day. Oh,
2: I I was pretty close to talking about Groundhog Day, but yeah, it didn't quite fit into my criteria, but it is a perfect film.
0: And I just have to say again, it's amazing that none of us chose the same year. That is crazy to me. I figured we'd have some crossover, but we all chose different years. There's just so much to be annoyed about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there is. It's a deep well of annoyance. (laughs) Um, So uh, why why don't we round it out with who we would like to win Best Picture
0: this year? My vote is Moonlight. I absolutely, absolutely love that film. And... I would love the lead actress of that to win best actress. So even though it is very much a story about men, her character is haunting.
2: I haven't seen Moonlight yet, and I feel like once I do, I'm gonna vote for it just based off what I've heard. Just came out on iTunes, so I'm gonna watch it this weekend. Uh but I I loved Arrival, so I won't be like super mad if it wins some
0: stuff. I loved Arrival too. That's a great choice. Yeah. Um
1: I loved Moonlight. It's a great story. It's a story that doesn't get told. And it's beautifully shot. I mean, just as a work of art, it is beautiful, just beautiful. Um, I also saw Arrival. I loved Arrival. I'm going to say again, uh, it's an interesting story, beautifully shot and realized and great performances there too. And honestly, if we're gonna default to just a, a feel-good movie, cause that's what we need right now, Hidden Figures. Yep. Yeah,
2: yeah. it was really good and it's that kind of movie that can win, you know? <laughs> so I, I won't be mad if that one mints
0: even.
1: Making a ton of money and you know, Hollywood loves that. Yeah. But we know what's gonna
0: win, so. Mm. Boo. What are you gonna do? Well, it was super fun rewriting history. We would love to hear about your picks that you would um, rewrite. What year, what film would you have win, and what would you kick out? Please um, write to us on Twitter or on Facebook. We're excited to hear your picks. You can find us on Twitter at Gabby, on Tumblr at DowntonGabby.tumblr.com, at Facebook at Gabby, at anything at Gabby. We look forward to our next podcast with you guys next month business
2: like show business like no business i know everything about it is appealing everything the traffic will allow oh where could you have that happy feeling
0: when you are stealing that extra bar. there's no people like show